Welcome to Podcast with Cooper Cherry. Today I have um, AJ Norton returning. He is the host of Psychological Warfare with AJ Norton, a podcast here in Austin. Definitely check him out on SoundCloud. I'll let, well, actually, I guess I'll, I'll throw it to you, AJ. I'll let you. SoundCloud.com slash Psycho Warfare or Psychological Warfare, I forgot. And <laughs> I got rid of my website because nobody was going on it. So I used to have psychowarfare.com, but just check out my Twitter at psychowarfare.hq or the SoundCloud would be great. Awesome. So you, that's funny because I was like, I was thinking about doing my own website. <laughs> now, um, so it's kind of funny that you just shut yours down. Now do it if you want. Get traction first. Get real traction, I would say. But yeah. um, I coded my own website and I was just paying 30 bucks a month to host it. And I was like, this is not worth it. I'm getting no traction. But um. Yeah, I bet Wix or um, what's that other site where you can eat Square? Squarespace. Squarespace. Squarespace.com. Yeah, that, that's um, that's less money. Than Get that. a free personal website on Squarespace. Yeah. yeah, man. You can use Squarespace. And that's not an ad. <laughs> I I'm making, they, I I'm making were, fun of the ads. I wish they were paying us. Making fun of the fucking ads mm-hmm. for Squarespace. Squarespace does a lot of podcasts. A lot of podcasts yeah. I listen to, they advertise Squarespace. Yeah, so. same. Yeah, for sure. So... um. You know, this is the third episode I've had you on, but, you know, I was thinking about in preparation for this that I haven't ever, I didn't really ask you much about your background and so forth. So, um, you are, you're relatively new to Texas. Mm -hmm. Two years. Two years. And you moved from... Virginia. It's, uh, I lived in Falls Church, Virginia, which is 10 minutes from D.C., where um, almost everyone works for contracting positions for the government, as should be expected, being that close to the government. And um, I believe D.C. is surrounded by the 10 richest counties in the USA. So it's a it's a bubble, I'd say. Right on. From um, Falls Church is the second richest of the 10, I believe. What I, did your parents do? They both work for the government. DOD, Department of Defense. And they've worked there for 30 years. They've got great benefits. And Do they um, have health care? As far as I know, and I'm on, I'm on it too until <laughs> I there. turn until next year when I'm off it, just because of it, I age out. But um, I'm very thankful for that. Let's please get Bernie in there so he gives us free health care before I age out. Well, that's not gonna happen. But um, yeah, it's it's good. The government, obviously, the biggest welfare queen is the government and the Department of Defense, <laughs> and yes, in particular, right? Department of Defense, yes. I mean, in, in particular, the government they literally can create money out of nothing. Even though we kind of privatize that, but we still they still create money out of nothing. So, and yes, our tax dollars subsidize. You know, I I go to we talked about DSA last time. I know, but my joke is, you know, what's our biggest way to fight? You know, wars in the Middle East. Don't pay your taxes. That would be like the best thing we could do. But then they would come for us. Um. So, what? Uh, what was your childhood like? Like what? I grew up in a suburb neighborhood basketball court. Uh, like five great friends. I'm still friends with who, when I go home, they love sports. I grew up uh, watching a lot of sports. I don't watch any sports now. Now I go home with them. We play basketball, and we do soccer and all these sports, and we, they love watching sports. Big Phillies fans, big Redskins fans, Philadelphia Eagles, which won the Super Bowl. My friend was really pumped. Julian's his name. And um, then when I went to college, I just got more interested in, like, things that are just affect our lives more. And when I go home, I never talk a single thing about politics. And whenever I hear them talk about politics... I don't even bring it up because I they will bring up sometimes because now Trump is so absurd. Almost anyone now talks about politics because of Trump, even if they don't know anything. They just talk about well, they just they talk about politics in the in the sense of they talk about Trump, which I will say is talking about politics since he is the most political man in some way. What uh, 
but what are your parents political leanings like today? oh they've they've probably voted liberal their whole lives i've never asked them though but they've definitely voted for obama gore right on. clinton and i've never gone further than asking them that okay um were they like were they were you raised like in They're a religious centrist. what about um, religion religion i went to like sunday that? school i'm um what do you call it when you go to high school what's the thing you get done to yourself at the end of high school anyway that i got that communion communion but i forgot what's after communion um you do something um, confirmation or whatever. confirmation yes so you were like i got catholic? confirmed yeah catholic and i hated it so i one day i got kicked out of one class not for the whole year but for one class because i she was just explaining god and i just asked her what if you're wrong <laughs> And it was just like, my dad raised me on science. My dad's a scientist. He's an engineer like I am. And I just like, everything I did in my life, and still today, I can prove to myself. And I was just like, there's no backing to this. Like, how do we prove this at all? And so that was it. And that's just, I think, still today, the inner anarchy in me, where I just hate all... Yeah, the inner anarchist in me hates all forms of hierarchy. And that's how I really think of anarchists. And that, today, it's just like... It's religion is to some degree a, a hierarchy just imposed on you. Like there's the Pope, there's the Cardinals, and there's these laws you have to follow because then the guy who um in the sky, <laughs> you know, gets mad at you. Telling but, up but all I, your, I all, your take all those times it, you drank the communion wine and yes, I don't take it farther than that though in judging you. I do think religion, and I think it was used a long time ago to bring people together. But I think like a lot of things, it got co-opted and somebody saw they could consolidate power around the disguise of God or Jesus or Muhammad or whatever. And I don't really have any proof for that, but I just see how like movements in today's world get um, get um, co-opted. Like right. Occupy got co-opted with like Occupy the voting booth by Van Jones. So like the powers that be, <laughs> it sounds so conspiratorial but are really just good at co-opting movements instead of they just instead of like repressing the energy they just divert the energy because that's easier to do yeah um so what about uh so where did you go to college and and all that i went to school at the great virginia tech great campus great place uh loved it learned a lot made some friends um made some bad mistakes and what um, kind of what kind of mistakes uh i my roommate and i got really mad at each other because i was dirty as shit <laughs> and you need um, to clean your room i was very bro. ignorant yeah I, I didn't clean the bathroom you didn't read it was jordan, bad. the bathroom got bad man it was not good it's not good I'll, you need to I'll listen to more jordan peterson I, it's not his room. first rule we'll get clean into mr fucking Peter. room does he say something about lobsters too well, oh you should probably uh clean your room uh alex oh you're gonna he was right i should have i should have listened to him exactly. god damn it i would have been in the all right fucked up no i dude i totally understand the alt-right philosophy in that if you're politically naive and maybe the first person you come across is Ben Shapiro. God help you. You're fucked. I just happened to come across Noam Chomsky first. And then I was like, oh my God, this man knows what he's fucking talking about. But if you don't know anything and you come across a Ben Shapiro video, maybe if you don't know anything, I could see totally why you fall for that. But uh, I get, let's we'll back up there. Okay. We're going to get to the Went end. to Virginia Tech. Ran. I loved running. I was a big, tra I was um at one time the best track person in my school, the best long distance track person running what, miles. What kind of distance? I ran the two mile and the one mile. I ran a mile in 438. My school wasn't too good. Some kids in high school run it a lot better. I wasn't good enough to run in college or run above D2 in college, which is all that really matters. Anyone, you can walk on D3 for any school if anyone yeah. doesn't know that. Um, seriously, you can just walk on. Um, 
What did so you major in? I majored in computer science, which was a very good degree at the time because I went from working in computer science. I interned at Amazon before Jeff Bezos was the richest man on earth. <laughs> Only like two years before that. Uh, he was pretty much tied with Bill Gates. Did he let you... Could you go to the bathroom? Uh, um, did you... They no, that article, that article came out when I was there. <laughs> I believe so. Wait, no, there's been a recent... No, there, there's been no, recent... The, the, First one, the Washington Post one that was big, and then Jeff Bezos bought it. <laughs> no, that was it. Yeah, the Washington Post were the big because they. The truth is, they oh the P one. Yeah, so there those draconian practices. I know what you're talking about. The P cups. The yeah. so that's recent. Where so Amazon has moved to now basically having an Uber service. It's not called Uber, but um yeah, Amazon they have an delivery. app where anyone can just make money delivering Amazon packages, aka Uber delivery, whatever. And it's just like you said, if you choose to do it, it's so draconian because their algorithm's so good that it's down to the minute. And so you can't wally lollygag around at all. And so these people are peeing in the the story, right? I've seen it on Reddit. I've seen it multiple places. Is that they peed in their car. No, this was, I thought this was more the people that actually work in the Amazon fulfillment centers. And there's actually a new one in San Marcos, oh. Texas, that where the workers are scared to take pee breaks because you're like you have metrics number of packages you're supposed to process within a given time and they're worried about hitting their numbers so that they don't get fired I, so they're I bet pissing that happens in, too they're pissing in bottles this wasn't or at least i'm not familiar with hearing about anyone having issues okay the, with that the actual one I was delivery about was service. the specifically the article was about dr- the delivery drivers in london in uk right on the the biggest story, and this was either two. It's because I bet you the the I worked on the programming side, which the only people they're forced to treat the programmers good, not because they have a union, which they should, but programmers don't realize it because their benefits are still really good, but because they're um low supply. There's not many programmers. They they there's just uh, too little. Not many people have the degrees because the degree is so young, the uh, education is so young, and you do need to you do really need to spend a good two to three years to know it. You can't. It's not just like picking fruit or something. Um, not, but I think anyone can learn it. I just think it's um, they they don't have enough people to fulfill all the positions at the rate they're growing. And this is true for Amazon, Google, Microsoft, etc. So they do give them they do give them good uh, perks because they have to to attract people, to motivate people to learn these things, and to continue uh, moving up the hierarchy. But well, yeah, let's let's back up. So you're uh, okay. So you graduated for from Virginia Tech with your computer science degree. Mm-hmm. What uh? What brought you to Austin? I got a job at IBM and I worked there for a year and like it was until May, so five months. What were you doing with IBM? I was an iOS developer, so I made iPhone apps. I worked on this app that's out right now called Watson Workspace. I don't know anything. I haven't checked it in the four months since I haven't been there, but I bet it's now in full public. It used to be in beta when I left, and I bet it's in full public service now. If it's not. Then we've been really slow. They have a really, they had really tight deadlines. I stayed up at two a.m. sometimes figuring stuff out. So, but at, at Amazon they do that too. I hate deadlines, <laughs> especially when you have to take a piss. Right? I didn't. Amazon. I mean, um, you could have IBM just had wasn't a, if you had a catheter. You could have just worked yeah. through. You know, never never leave your desk. No, when I was for a, maximum yeah. efficiency. No, it's true. When I was a kid, I read <laughs> Bill Gates's biography, and I wanted to be Bill Gates because he was like the richest man and. I kind of fell for this whole thing, delusion that society pushes you towards, that I th- that money is everything, and this guy had achieved eternal happiness because he was the Gates, the Bill of Gates, or whatever. He was the Gate of Bills. The Prince of Gates. Yes. Um, and I, I read his whole story, and then 
I came to, I didn't realize it till later, but then I just started reading more and realized like this guy's a psychopath. Cause then I realized to just, cause I wanted to be a startup founder cause the whole entrepreneurship, self-help genre, Tim Ferriss, um, Tim, Tim, Timothy Ferris, who lives in Austin now. Do you yeah. know Tim Ferriss? Yeah. yeah. He moved to Austin. I haven't seen him. I don't know why that matters that much, but he's local just like Mr. Jones. We'll get to Alex Jones later, I guess. Um, but Oh, t- oh, sorry. I was just naming all the people. So I guess Oprah's not in it, but um, Tony Robbins, that's who I was thinking of. The whole sh- self-help genre feeds into the entrepreneur entrepreneur mindset. That's like, it's all, it's, it's, you're alone and you have to compete and you have to win. And you, and that's like the, the ideology, mantra. the mantra of a capitalist as well, I would say. And so that all feeds into the whole, you, if to become an entrepreneur, you have to be like a total student of this current system, which is devouring the earth into dust and taking advantage of people and that just wasn't cool with me but the system rewards you the system is very good and by the system i'll say capitalism at rewarding you for uh forwarding the system and rejecting you for um going against the system so you know like you need money you need to get food from the grocery store so you are bound to somehow getting food from the grocery store aka getting money Right. And uh, I don't think people think of it that on a basic level that, you know, like, why, why don't we, why is capitalism the only answer? And I would say, I keep, you keep asking me questions about my childhood and I go into other I things. I know you're, I've got to, I've got to okay. fucking What's keep you on question? a short, I've I'll, got, I'll skip, I'll skip. What's I've got to, I've got I've got to keep you on a tight leash here because you like what, to, you like to go on question? tangents a lot. Okay. No. So I'll, what we're going to do here, um, primarily what, what I want to discuss today is the fucking intellectual dark web which i think is such mm-hmm. a, a trash name for mm-hmm. a mostly pre- predominantly group of trash thinkers mm-hmm. but that name is uh been was i guess christened by what's his name is uh eric weinstein who is brett weinstein's brother mm-hmm. who is the beleaguered collegiate professor at evergreen college that there was like the day of remembrance or something there that you know generated a lot of buzz about you know about campus activism and social justice movements and so forth. So there's been, that was kind of um, aligned with this, I think around the same time that Jordan Peterson came to uh, prominence with the whole C-16 bill in Canada. But there was a recent article in the New York Times op-ed by Barry Weiss, where she wrote about the intellectual dark web, which again, that name just pisses me off for some reason. Just a, mm-hmm. I think it's just a shit name for mm-hmm. a group of people. I mean, the dark web, like, what the fuck does that so even... So I've been on the real dark web on the internet, where, for instance, you can um, buy people's social security numbers. There's, like, an eBay for that, essentially. Nice. Now, the dark web, I believe anyone, if you want to go by the definition, is something that you cannot accidentally come across. It is dark, as why it's called the dark web. Not the intellectual dark web. So the naming... Is just seemed to be mysterious while not fitting the actual parameters of the real dark web, which is something you only come across knowingly and with mischievous right. There's like intent. illicit, yeah, illicit yeah. intent. There's illicit transactions and going you, on for you, drugs, and you need to do a specific five steps. Like you need to do X, Y, Z. You don't like, oh my God, Joe Rogan's number one on. Sorry, I, that's the next question I was going to ask you. Please list the members. Well, according to the Barry Weiss article, mm-hmm. it was. Ben Shapiro, um, our good friend Sam Harris, Jordan Peterson, I guess tangentially 
I guess the Weinstein Weinstein brothers, mm-hmm. uh, Christina Hoff Summers. Never never heard of her, but anyway, continue. Um, trying to think who else. I guess Ruben. Yeah, Ruben was in there. Okay. Uh, they had a they had a picture of Joe Rogan. I believe Rogan, Rogan is considered in there, even though I will say my comment on Rogan. Is. <laughs> I don't think Rogan. Rogan is not. I told you this in the car. Rogan does not have a political agenda. Everyone else you named, I don't know Christina, but I bet she does, has a political agenda. Would you say that's fair? I mean, absolutely. I mean, definitely fucking people like, you know, Ben Shapiro and Peterson and and Harris. Well, I don't know. Harris is just so, Mm -hmm. he's so fucked. He's so so fucking confused. I think they throw Harris in there to give the notion that it's bipartisan. But I've heard Sam Harris talks talk and other than believing climate change is real he doesn't really support any left-wing causes that i know and climate change is not a left-wing cause it's a save the planet for the love of god we we live on it cause but uh they made it a bipartisan issue because they're really good at dividing us anyway but he never talks about like i don't know do you agree with that i guess that they i think sam harris is included to make it sound like it's not an all right funnel (laughs) Which is what I'm going to say. Well, it is. I, I mean, I think in some ways Harris fits into that mold just as well as anyone. Now, that where it gets a little bit murkier is with somebody like Brett Weinstein, who was, you know, him and his wife, I think, were Bernie Sanders supporters, at least according to the article in the New mm-hmm. York Times by Weiss. But you know what's funny too is actually, and they're Canadian. There was a, there was another article that came out. It was an op-ed in the Times about. That uh, it was like a piece on Jordan Peterson by himself. That was it wasn't the friendliest take on mm-hmm. on good old JBP. It was pretty funny. Um, they just he has apparently a bunch of Soviet like artwork in his house. Nice, like crazy. And he hates the Marxists. <laughs> yeah. So it's he- pretty funny. And the the writer was like, you know, th- it seems pretty strange that you have all this, you know. Marks or this uh, Russian or Soviet memorabilia in your home, don't you think that's a little like stressful to view all this stuff? And he's like, "Well, life life is stressful. Life is stressful." What was I going to say? Didn't the New York Times? This wasn't the, your article, I think, but the New York Times or the Washington Post said Jordan Peterson is the greatest intellectual in the West currently, which is mind blowing to me because I can think of at least three people who are much smarter than him, but. What I hate a lot is that these big publications, uh, Washington Post, New York Times, give these people credence. They've called Ben Shapiro the cool kids philosopher. That was a literal quote. Um, yeah, I, that, I was, that was that was the Washington Post because Sam, uh, the majority report did that did, had the had the guy on who wrote that piece, and I was like, what is going on? Sorry, what were we gonna say? Oh no, I was just saying that that uh, that article about uh, Shapiro being the cool kids philosopher. Mm-hmm. Jesus, that's so fucking cringy. Because they will never have Noam Chomsky on, or Chris Hedges, or Cornell West, or Mania Benjamin, or people who are not paid for their opinions, in my opinion. Um, who, who, who do you like as an intellectual? I guess we should compare them against the, our favorite intellectuals, right? I mean, currently, I mean, Chomsky is about the only... I mean... I guess you have Zizek as well as somewhat mm-hmm. of a... What's his name? Left- Slovak? Yeah, Slovoj Sh- Zizek. I can't say his name, yeah. But, I mean, he's been also, you know, charged with being a racist and so forth mm-hmm. as well. So, I haven't, I'm haven't. i not as familiar with Zizek 
I haven't read any Zizek. You know, I think he's kind of a character that's mm-hmm. interesting, but he's way more. So Chomsky's like has almost no character. I've I've watched many of his talks. I've read two of his books. He's very um, unenthusiastic, Dry, yeah. but he's just like incredible intellect, incredible facts, incredible storytelling. Um, no emotion usually. He's very good. If you ever watch any of his debates, I think he's a very good debater. He's very rational, very logical, very moral. And I think that actually he actually showed me morality matters in a debate. And he he shows you how he uses morality just by pointing out um, how there's no morality in killing people and stuff. I think it, I, I think anyway, I think he's the best. So I'm showing my bias here. I think like the fact that CN, he's never been on CNN. Noam Chom- if Noam Chomsky was on CNN for C- five minutes, he'd blow, he'd blow everyone's mind. They'll have Ben Shapiro on to a debate with someone. Or Ben Shapiro gets on Fox News. I mean, it's just, I think it's so sad where, you know, my parents don't even really know who Noam Chomsky is. And, like, this guy has spent his whole life trying to educate people. And because he never gets, he, you know, Ben Shapiro, sorry, Sam Harris will do a video, a podcast, and get more people to listen to him than maybe Noam Chomsky would ever get to read his books. Should I think uh, Shapiro actually gets something like, and according to that New York Times piece, he gets something like 15 million downloads per podcast or something mm-hmm. which is pretty amazing they have a big following we were talking about how i think jordan peterson for an individual has the biggest patreon donations eighty thousand a month i don't yeah. know anyone else i know chapel trap house which is a group still gets only 20k a month which for a group is great pay your pay your people 20k a month split that up he gets 80k a month he's an individual yeah but I don't know. I just think it's it's a bit disingenuous, first of all, to try to label these people as presenting ideas that are that are dangerous and like these people are repressed by society for mm-hmm. presenting dangerous ideas and they try to pass themselves off as, you know, being so logical and rational and you know, that's Ben Shapiro's mm-hmm. whole shtick is what it's like facts don't care about your feelings. That really is no. So they they give that idea of like revolution or uh, risque thoughts to make it seem like they're going against the grain. When in fact, I would say just straight up um, campaigning for freedom, not freedom, sorry, equality and ending racism. Sorry, is extremely revolutionary and not what the culture really goes for all the time. But instead, what do they mostly talk about when I hear them? Free speech, right? That, yeah, that's th- the big... They had like they had that Google guy on, James DeMurr. Yeah. You know him? Oh, yeah. And so he just wrote this essay. Um, so Google, I knew this too. I know this too because I know two girls who have jobs at Google. Um, hire people, prefer to hire people who are not um, among... Who are minorities because they, like, they do have standards to try to keep... Um, what's it called, their diversity, to keep the company as diverse as possible. And so he just, what he, he leaked a memo or he wrote a letter about a memo. I don't, gosh, I forgot about it. I sound so uninformed now. But he wrote a memo about how he thought this wasn't cool and that we should be hiring the best talent, right? And that's what his whole stick is. And I think he's still living off that. I don't think he's got a job. But anyway, he was, I do feel bad for him in a way. He was a senior engineer at Google. So you're making big bucks. I know that for a fact. And he got fired for that. <laughs> But that's all, if I ever listen to Dave Rubin, that's his whole stick, is the left is against free speech. Which I think is something that 
is, you know, I don't think we as on the left should cede the territory of free speech and logic and all and that sort of, you know what I mean? That's we don't need to cede those areas to the right. And this is something that actually um, Doug Lane brought up in a recent talk with with Michael Brooks that I listened to the other day is like we don't need to give ground on those areas. Like I think as the left, we need to reclaim, you know what I mean? Because free speech itself is something that the left originally fought for. And as, you know, as some, as people that are on the left, I think that, you know, ultimately who's more likely to get suppressed by, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? By those in power than people on the left. You know what I mean? Well, because the left is always, they don't do it in practice, but they're supposed to theoretically fight for the oppressed. Right. Um, so it's, and so they, what was I going to say? They, it's tough to do that because on the left, you're fighting for oppressed people. So you need to be coordinated. You need to think of the agenda of Latinas, Latinos, Blacks, Hispanics. Base uh, Asians, you know, every, every, even white people to some extent, poor white people, homeless people. Um, I think women are twice as likely to be homeless than a man or just population wise, like, a, like of the homeless population, 60% of his woman. I didn't even know that's insane. Cause usually when I walk down the street and I walk by the homeless corridor, it's almost old men, but that's what the stats say. Interesting. And I, my eyes don't show that. And I, I don't, it's not like I live with, walk by homeless people every day, but just by eyesight. I'm usually pretty good at noticing stuff like that. Like once I hear stats like that, I look for shit like that. Um, but, and so it's hard to, I'll, I'll just end with this because I'm, I'm lollygagging on here. It's hard to be democratic. It's hard to have a democracy versus it's easy to be authoritarian and just say, listen to Donald Trump, listen to the great tall white guy at the end of the room who just says, you know, let's burn coal. Then get everyone's opinion and try to create an egalitarian society. And that goes a little bit, I think, into human nature and that it's just easy to have an authoritarian leader than to actually not slide into that from a democracy. Well, I think what is happening on a larger, more systemic or I guess critique would be that the economic system, you know, as mm-hmm. as capitalism is advancing into a uh, you know, a late as we're progressing into late stage capitalism. Oh, who are you, Mr. Marx? <laughs> yes, um, yes, continue. So as we're advancing and, and capitalism is evolving, that there's a push, especially particularly in the United States, as our economic and uh, geopolitical power wanes, there's, I think there's going to be more hysteria. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be more of this n- nascent fascist push because whenever, typically, you know, whenever countries or, you know, large geopolitical regions get backed into a corner, so to speak, they they turn in on themselves in many regards, and it gets, mm-hmm. they will tend towards fascism yeah. as a way to sort of, you know what I mean, they're trying to regain a, a lost mm-hmm. sense of status and that's in what, many regards. Mm-hmm. That's what the critiques of the German fascism really critique is that fascism arises from people, even dumb people like Donald Trump or Hitler, because they even when you read Hitler, Hitler was not the smartest guy. It, you kind of read if you read about him more, he seems like a Trump-like figure, not as 
um, bombastic and verbose, but definitely not the smartest guy in the room. But their criticisms of systems are generally actually arise from a real um, inability of the current political class to fix the problems. And Obama, the neoliberals, I'll call them, did not fix enough. I don't think they fixed, I'm, I'm very hard on Obama in my opinion, but I think anyone would realistically say they did not fix the problems. And if Obama had done his job, and I'll say his job as ranking it, and I mean by doing his job, I mean done what FDR realistically did. He would have done, he would have done what FDR did, which is stave off fascism. And Obama would have done the same, if Obama had done realistically the same thing, it would have been different. It would have been like green energy job program or something. It would have been different than the New Deal. But same along the lines, provide jobs for everyone, actually get out of the depression. We would have avoided Trump. Well, see, personally, I think that, yes, Obama is essentially part of the same neoliberal agenda that goes stretches back to Reagan in many respects. But I think that the seeds to what, the seeds were sown much earlier in terms of where we are today, mm-hmm. you know, because it was even, you know, I've said this many times on the podcast that, you know, Clinton did welfare reform. He pushed NAFTA through. He deregulated the, you know, the 1996 Telecommunications Act that deregulated, um, you he know, his ownership. Worst, yep. He wanted to, yeah. You you said you said the great list. The only thing I like to say is he appealed Glass Steagall last year. That is, in yeah, that as well. Which is why, which um, we still can't get back on the books. The Dodd Frank Act. They begged, people were begging for Dodd Frank to include Glass Steagall, which is um to separate financial and investment banks, and they couldn't even do it. They can't even put Glass Steagall back in. Well, the the problem is, in in my opinion, is this. So the way that the um. Oh, and this is a. I uh, sorry. Can I mention one more Clinton thing? Because sure. Clinton was very bad. The one story I read from, I read Thomas Frank's Listen Liberal. He tells this story. Newt Gingrich, who was the head of the House at the time, or the head yeah. of the Senate, head yeah. of the House, House wanted speaker. to privatize Social Security, which would have gone zero, which would have gone completely kaput in the 2008 financial crisis. But the next week, I think it was the next day. Monica Lewinsky happened. He wanted to do it in whatever, 1998 or 1999. Um, so that's what's amazing is uh, that's that's one of the most amazing stories. So he was going to, he was a complete Republican. But anyway, continue, Cooper. Well, yeah, uh, even Bush, I mean, during the Bush, era, uh, GW Bush era, they were wanting to privatize Social Security, which obviously in the, in the wake of the collapse would have been a fucking disaster. Like, can you imagine <laughs> if Social Security had been privatized? Yes. That would have been a... F- it would have been a fucking nightmare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So many people would have been... Yo, can you no, imagine that's what, why I brought that up. Can you imagine mm-hmm. what horrible situation we'd be in? Mm-hmm. Like, Even mm-hmm. though Social Security is kind of a pittance, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. But damn. So they rank social programs. Like they've done worldwide surveys. And Social Security still ranks as the number one program, even though it was started, whatever, 1934, as the best one ever worldwide of any Interesting. If any country that has ever been provided of providing uh, money to old people, essentially, right? So, um, yeah, but the, the big difference Thomas Frank points out is that Bush 2, sorry, Bush 1 tried to get NAFTA passed, couldn't because he was a Republican because all the Democrats, the left, coincide against him. Um, but Clinton gets some of the Democrats on his side, gets NAFTA through because, right, because cause Bush, Bush 1 signed NAFTA. Clinton got it through Congress. Interesting. I did not. Um, I didn't. I didn't know that. But that 
definitely makes sense. That's what his argument in the book is. So Bush tries, every Republican tries to privatize. I think Reagan tried to do it too. Tried to, like you said, privatizes. But he couldn't because everyone's like, oh, it's Bush. He's terrible. We should stop. The left is like, let's stop him. Clinton's like, whoa, well, Clinton's for it. He's on the left. Quote, quote, he's on the left. He's on the neoliberal, whatever scale. Um, Clinton passed DOMA, Defense of Marriage Act. Um, when did that get? Anyway, so I agree with you. And yeah, the whole Social Security thing, people don't realize how bad it is. I still think Trump will try to do the same thing. And I don't think he'll be able to do it because. I don't know. Repealing Social Security. That's like one of the third rails mm-hmm. as they refer to it that you mm-hmm. don't really talk about, especially with the numbers that people in the older demographics tend to vote. Those are pretty, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You don't want to alienate your your voting base. Mm-hmm. And they have not, I, I know we're going to talk, let's get back to the intellectual talk about in a second, but McConnell doesn't get rid of the filibuster. So if they like got the rid nu- of the, the nuclear option. Yeah. Mean? If they got rid of the filibuster, they could get, they could do that. They could just pass a straight up because they have 51. They would need, they would need 50 or 51 because Pence is there to sign it for 50 for a tiebreaker. They could, they could pass anything they wanted if they got rid of the filibuster. Anything. I think. Except a constant, whatever, the things that require two thirds, <laughs> the constitutional amendments, et cetera. But yeah, so, you know, you're, I think it's fair to criticize Obama as part of being part of the neoliberal centrist idea. But I think that's, that's actually a good place to give us a little bit of historical context in terms of where we are now, because that's what, that's, I think, primarily what a lot of these, intellectual quote-unquote dark web people try to present as is this idea of this you know they're just centrist oh i'm they're and they try to distance themselves and classify themselves as classical liberals Mm -hmm. to try to you know what i mean they don't Mm -hmm. necessarily take on the identity of we're libertarians Mm -hmm. they try to say classical liberal to try to maintain like oh we're something new and different from the left but ultimately they're most of what they're for is the same old, same old, you know, if nothing else, like general Republican sort of viewpoint in terms of policy. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them really, you know, none of them particularly address policy directly all of that much. It's mostly just, you know, like you said, railing on about free speech and social justice and like mm-hmm. yeah. Black Lives Matter and how and Antifa and all the sort of pushback on on what is considered, you know, the regress, quote unquote, regressive left. Meanwhile, the Republicans pillage our country for wars, uh, safety, social safety net, and everything of real policy that I think we care about, voter suppression, which they never talk about. The thing is, if you didn't know the issues, you would think Ben Shapiro is highly intelligent. But if you knew the issues, you'd be like, oh my God, he doesn't think Citizens United is a problem? Holy crap, like this guy's insane. Like he doesn't think climate change is a problem. This guy's insane. But if you, do, you if you, that's what I'm saying. Why? Oh, sorry. And um, the one thing I wanted to say, you brought up a great point, Cooper. Is that I, I see it as, it's, they said this on Sam Cedar's podcast. It's just a funnel to go more right wing, to go more into the alt right corner. So you have your Alex Jones, in my opinion, your Milo, and I don't really think Alex Jones has an ideology anymore. But who are just crazy off the spectrum. But what happens is I think you listen to Ruben or you listen to Crowder or you listen to uh, Shapiro and they're like mildly conservative. And then you're like, oh, you get on all their ideas. And then you listen to Peterson. And then you listen to Stephen Molyneux. 
and then you listen to Alex Jones, and all the ideas just funnel into each other, and it's a blur to kind of brainwash you. And that's how I see the intellectual dark web. Well, I mean, there's, it's not a coherent group, mm -hmm. for one thing. Like, there's a little bit, like, I would say Shapiro is more of a sort of, I mean, he's he's sort of, at least nominally, professes to be an anti-Trump type of person. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, I think he's a pretty straight-up, I think he does conservative, that. You know? I think he does that for looks. I don't think he's. He, I, I I've watched a little bit of him. Like he didn't. He doesn't criticize Trump for the Palestine move. But he. Oh, of course, he's, he's all fan. about. Yeah, he's a of big the, fan of. Well, he's fucking. Is he Jewish? He's Jewish. He wears the. Yeah, he, he is. Oh my god, I asked him if he's Jewish, and he wears the thing. <laughs> I don't know anything about religions. Yamaka. He wears the freaking yamaka. But um, so he's very pro-Israel. But um, he. I think he. I've seen him say that, and I think he just says that to seem neutral. Like, right. oh, I'll criticize Trump, but I he barely does. Yeah, of course. He's Not as more much as he'd criticize Hillary. He's more concerned about break, about trans people. Yeah. The, about, the uh, pronouns. If we, if we, you know, if it's a road, the road to tyranny is, you know, having, being forced to call so, trans people by a different pronoun. Having, say, uh, I do DSA and the thing in DSA, and I remember going to my first meeting and it was a little weird, was you introduce yourself by pronoun. So you say your name. So I would say Alex because I'm AJ. And then you say he, him. You say your pronouns. And I don't think there's a single transgender person in DSA. If there is, I have not noticed. Or they're really good and they're, they, they're, they're attractive or a good looking person. Um, or I, I can't tell. And... Um, what I was gonna, and that was the first time it made me think about it. So um, I didn't care that much. Like, you know, I, I think no one ever told me why we do it. I think we do it because if someone's transgender, they can identify themselves. And we just all do it openly. So if anyone transgender came along. Yeah, so they know how to, I neutral. know what to call you. Because mm -hmm. it's, you know, mm -hmm. if you want to have compassion towards other people, I want to be, I want to call you what you want to be called. Mm -hmm. Because that's a fucking yes, charitable just thing like, to do. You just know like I mean? your like, name. Exactly. So... I don't know. It's it's not a big deal, but um, it's it's funny that you bring up Shapiro first because I have a anecdote that kind of ties. Mm -hmm. It involves Shapiro and Jordan. No, no, I don't. Know. Was it Jordan? No, it wasn't Jordan Peterson. It was Shapiro, Harris, and Eric Weinstein or Weinstein. They were had a. They were at some speaking event together. They had one of these live events, you know, these lectures mm -hmm. that they'll tend to do. This is a great point. They they have a circular firing squad where they all interview each other. That's a great point. Don't continue. And I think this is actually where I heard fucking Eric Weinstein mention the intellectual dark web for the first time. And uh, so Shapiro and fucking Sam Harris were basically agreeing on the point that this cake business should not be forced by the government to bake a cake for, for a, you know what I mean? You remember the whole kerfuffle about this bakery didn't want to serve these a, a gay couple that was getting married mm -hmm. because they're, you know, they're Christians or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so Harris and Shapiro were on this point about, oh, well, I don't think it's right for the, you know, if you don't, if they don't want to serve these people, then they shouldn't have to. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, are you, are you fucking serious? Like, how can you... And this is Shapiro... I mean, you know, Sam Harris, mm -hmm. who is supposedly this very... You know, this liberal guy, right? Oh, I... No, dude, he's a thorough neuroscience. <laughs> no, dude, in the scientific community, nobody knows who he is. Anyway, continue. But yeah, so he was... I mean, how ridiculous is that? It's like, if... 
I mean, if the tables were turned and it's like, if, if we owned a bakery and some Christian people wanted to get married and have us make a cake for their wedding and we refused because they were Christians, you think there wouldn't be any kind of outcry Mm -hmm. in the opposite direction? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's so, it's so ridiculous to to think that. We had segregation. Why? So like, I think the argument is like, we had segregation. So businesses were allowed to segregate people or not allow people to serve at their diners until whatever, 1965, until Lyndon Johnson passed the Civil Rights Bill. So what's there, what, isn't that just the same as that, is pure segregation we had? Except exactly, and, and their argument is, oh, well, the market is going to take care of it. Well, because the any market business- didn't solve racism. <laughs> we had to pass a government law. Yeah, no, that's, I've seen that on Quora, and I've answered questions like that. Sorry, continue. So yeah, um, I thought that was pretty ridiculous for, for Harris to kind of engage in that. And since he tries to pass him off himself off, as this, you know, more liberal oriented person. But so I think that kind of underscores a little bit about what the intellectual dark web is is really about. But I think what's even further illuminating, did you happen to listen or pay any attention to the whole Ezra Klein and Sam Harris beef that went on? No, it's something about it was all revolving the bell curve guy. What's his name? Charles Murray. Yeah, Charles Murray was on Sam Harris's podcast. And remind podcast the audience, about a the bell ago. curve is that intelligence is linked to race. Is that what it's about? Um, he was saying that there was genet- there's genetic differences that are responsible for the IQ data that shows that I don't okay. know. There's like a there's supposedly Isn't that the chief thing though that he thinks black people are dumber than white people. Doesn't <laughs> boil down to that. Okay, no, no, no. I won't go there. I mean, yes, it is. Isn't that what that he was gets a lot of slack? That's the, slack. Okay. the thing is, he, according to his research and statistics there was a 10 i think a 10 point differential between white people and african americans mm-hmm. and that that was all attributed in his assertion was that it was basically that was it was a genetic mm-hmm. yeah distinction primarily. I, I, yeah i think it probably no research though i'd probably think it's a lot of economical because if you have economics, you can you get many chances in life, especially in education. But I mean, I don't know exactly what you're getting at there. But I'm just I'm just gonna push forward and say okay. that. No, what I was saying is that. So I know from for every white person, for every one person dollar a white person has, I know since that kind of crash, a black family household is five cents. So the average. Uh, black household has one twentieth of the average white household. Now that's a weird stat because black African Americans are 13% population of the country. So they're not that much, but it's just showing you that economic like wealth is, uh, allows you a lot of chances in society. It allows you to get out of poverty. Maybe it allows you to go to court and settle something possibly. Otherwise you may have to go to jail or not post bond. Um, it just to maybe uh, try different schools to be able to move if an area becomes uninhabitable. Uh, that's what I was saying. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. yeah, I, I I track what you're saying there. Um, thanks for clarifying that. So that actually that is a great segue, I think, into into sort of the arguments that Jordan Peterson tries to talk about in terms of um, in terms of hierarchy, because Jordan Peterson's whole argument is that hierarchies are necessary and they are mm-hmm. natural. So mm-hmm. his basically saying that you know. Mm-hmm. The reason white people have all all this, there's this wealth differential is because w- they're simply more competent mm-hmm. and that is justified 
by biology mm-hmm. for them to because you know which ties into that whole argument that Murray makes about mm-hmm. there being this genetic difference between quote between races. Mm, yeah, so not the biggest fan of that. Just because, for instance, look at brown people in the Middle East. The reason because they're poor, in my opinion, is because we steal from them and we bomb them. They have no chance to move up the social hierarchy. Like if somebody was given the same chances as I was, meaning my parents helped me get into college, my my dad helped me with math in high school, my dad was very educated, my dad almost um, got a master's degree, uh, they would probably end up either at, at a minimum at least the position I had ended up in, or at least higher, if you were given the chances I got. If you were born in the Middle East in Pakistan, where... Um, I don't even freaking know what hell you have to go through to try to make it to my level just to make it to like the economic status of an average American. Um, I, I, you know that like Warren Buffett was once asked like, what's the greatest advantage you've had in life? And he said, being born in America. And that's how I kind of feel like you're just given advantages that you may not realize you had until you're 50. Yeah. I think that goes to something that um, the sociologist Max Weber would talk about, which is, you know, there's, there's, there's one aspect of things that's economic wealth and there's also and the status that that provides but there's also cultural benefits and it's exactly what you described as far as mm-hmm. your father was educated he was able to help you with mathematics and you know yeah. what I mean if you if your parents didn't have the opportunity to mm-hmm. to go you know have, be educated for example then they can't offer you that help. And they don't have, you know what I mean? They don't have um, a network of other, mm-hmm. you know, fairly well-off and connected people that can get you an internship mm-hmm. or can get you a job or even can get your foot in the door with an interview or any, you know what I mean, what have you. You could come up with a million examples of that sort of cultural capital. And and that really tracks, for me, that sort of tracks to what white privilege is because White privilege, you know, it also always gets thrown in as like this simply an economic, well, I guess not always, but, you know, people primarily view it through this economic lens of, well, you know, they're, oh, there's poor white people too. Well, there's, there's a cultural capital element that white people have mm-hmm. just in general as being the preferred race that mm-hmm. gives the, allows them to have different opportunities. They're viewed differently by law enforcement, by teachers by coaches, by society, mm-hmm. by, by, you know what I mean? There's a, a million different examples. And it's you can't really quantify always what cultural capital is mm-hmm. in many respects. You know what I mean? In yes. terms of being, you know what I mean? Ha- vocabulary, something as simple or, you know what I mean, as, mm-hmm. not as simple, but as element- elementary as the vocabulary that you speak with or being exposed to words as a kid or you know what I mean having books in the home all these different things that contribute to mm-hmm. how you perform in society mm-hmm. Malcolm X talks about that oh, I don't want to bring up the story because I can't remember it but he it's very he, he wrote a very it's, his book is his autobiography and he was in jail why did he go in jail but he in the jail he started reading a lot that's when he got really educated and the definition of black in the dictionary he read was like evil it was like you know a very malignant um evil like wording of just the color of looking up the definition of this color apparently and so like he could like the dictionary itself was racist like that stuff's built into our culture and if you looked up white it's like pure right you know like just the instead of just defining as a color that dictionary takes it to this point where 
I mean, they can define it however they want, but it's just like it shows you the kind of thinking that I think seeps, seeps into a culture. Like, I don't know if this you really can quantify this, but just showing like how many times does the black guy die first in a scary movie? <laughs> you can almost bet on it sometimes. I haven't watched a movie in a long time, but um, that's always the joke, right? He's the 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 pawn black guy, and um, I mean, I think I think we see it in when now we finally have the power for the, the African Americans to film the cops. Um, pulling them over. I've never been treated like that by a cop. I've only been pulled over twice, but I've been treated very politely and to have an experience like that would be extremely scary. I don't I don't when I see some of those people begging them not to shoot them and they don't get shot that time. When you watch another vi- the next videos like the guy shooting at him, I completely understand why. It's scary as hell. Right. And it's um it's funny Sam Harris actually was uh, so it was on Josh Zepp's podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's familiar with him but he had Harris on um I think they had actually recorded this at Joe Rogan's studio because uh Hannibal Burris was there and they got Harris and Burris got into a little bit of a heated exchange over his personal experience with police and Harris just was like citing these quote-unquote facts about Mm -hmm. police and who gets you know I mean these statistics about interactions with white people and cops and black people, but you know what I mean? Just to try to almost that, you know what I mean? That kind of, uh, you never see a story that of actu- a white person getting pulled over that actually, shot. well, not most of the time no. there was actually that recent, I feel it'd be big news though, compared to the black, the stories of African Americans getting shot. Okay. No, no, what's your story? Um, there was a guy, remember the guy that it was within the last three or four months, mm-hmm. there was a white guy that was like, Going to pull up his pants, and the cop shot him. Shot him. That was pretty. So I think terrifying. that's where it gets really murky. We're like, are the cops not trained as well because they're underfunded or something? And I know, and this is where it comes to my. I have no lack of combat training, no, tra- no, not in the army or anything. But are cops trained badly because the social safety net, and we're just not funding the right institutions because the whole government is completely corrupt? Yes. <laughs> like our fire firemen not getting the best equipment. Uh, yes. So, like, is is that story told? Like, how can you discern if that story is um, the the cop or just the bad training of the cop? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's somewhat training for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think it's something. There's something else going on there as well mm-hmm. beyond just the training. Okay. I think there's a psychology. I mean, do you, I don't. There's the. I think it's Stanley Milgram. Do you remember the Stanford Prison Experiment? Yes, that's very. It's very famous. They so I think that go. That, you know what I mean. There's something about putting when you have a gun and you feel authority and mm-hmm. you're in a uniform and it's this us versus them mentality that you kind of mm-hmm. dress in as as a this i you know what I mean you identify with with authority and so forth. Mm-hmm. So it it creates a different. I do think it's psychology. just like who would try, Yeah, I just I do think. To the police position, it does attract uh, power. That gun and that badge is a feeling of authority. And you may not have felt authority like that in your life. You may have been bullied. And so this is your chance to get revenge. Just like I'd say um, CEOs attract psychopaths. Or just to be in that position, you have to run roughshod over everyone. Just like if you want to be a policeman, you have to want some uh, power. So you're right. Yeah, I mean, I've said it on the podcast before, but I'm all about, I think, the only way to... uh, you know, remedy this issue is to have community policing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We can't have just, uh, 
leave it up to the marketplace to determine who gets to be a cop. There needs Mm -hmm. to be, I don't know, we have to have, there's got to be accountability. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things too, is there's there's no accountability for these policemen that go and and kill people needlessly, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I mean, a cop's job is dangerous and and what have you, and I wouldn't necessarily, I definitely don't want that to have to make those kind of life and death choices, but at the same time, you know, somebody like me, I think, would make a far more effective cop because I have empathy towards people. You have the right training. Um, you know, what I, mean? I think the right training can override a lot of things. But I totally see what you're saying. Where if you're just attracted to the power, you will abuse that power. But I think you can, if you have really good training, you can um, still deal with a lot of that. You can keep that to a minimum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there are ways to de-escalate situations that don't wind up with someone dying just like needlessly you could could make your marketplace less sociopathic by creating incentives for them to be more green more empathetic better to employees blah 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 and that's the role of the government in a traditional capitalist democracy but that has been completely corrupted but yeah it's even why don't they i don't know there's there's we have the technology to dis you know what I mean? There's ways to disable someone or, you know what I mean, halt someone from harming you without having to kill them needlessly. Yes, just give them all. Oh, okay, you're saying that. That's just kind a- of foolishly, mm-hmm. foolish in my opinion to just, oh, your only option is to just pull out your gun. Well, why don't mm-hmm. you have a taser or, you know, there's got to be other op- options mm-hmm. for police to use non-lethal force. Even if someone, you know what I mean? Even if someone is being abusive to the cops and they are trying to threaten their person, you know what I mean? That doesn't necessarily mean that that person deserves to be killed. Uh, uh, no, you brought up a good point. See, I, I don't know. I don't even play COD anymore and I used to play COD all the time, but just, just using rubber bullets, rubber bullets can still kill, but there's, it, it has to be a really good shot. It's like it's way less, even at close range, it's way less likely to kill. It could, it could do some big damage. Right. But... I agree, just carrying rubble bullets. And like a taser, I mean, have you ever seen a video of anyone tased? They're done. If it, if it hits them, they're, they're done-zo. It, I don't care where you hit them, they're like freaking flailing on the floor. Like it's over. Yeah. You basically just shot them. Like you completely incapacitated them. And they're not dead at all. Um, I agree with that. That's a good point. Um, see, the thing is, the conversation we're having right now, they don't even have this quality of a conversation at CNN. And this, this level of intellectual isn't even that high. It's just like basic... Like, let's actually lay out the options. And, and like, CNN, this is why I, I just, my my view of how life moving forward is just so sad because we can't even, like, have the most basic options on the table. Like, people don't even realize, like, why don't we just give all the cops tasers? Like, that's never been floated on TV, I feel. Yeah. By the mainstream media. Which well, the intellectual dark web loves to criticize. <laughs> but we're, we are the, intel- I'm the intellectual dank web okay. that's what this is <laughs> so i can i can find you on twitter <laughs> hashtag intellectual dank web the dark web does not exist on twitter if they have a twitter account that is not the dark web anyway it's just a cool name it's just to associate not, i don't even risky. think it's that's the thing i don't even think it's cool i think it's fucking lame i think yeah. it's a lame fucking name it doesn't map on to what they're even yeah. like it doesn't even map on to the idea that they're trying to put forth that they're these you know what i mean because the day the dark mm-hmm. web is like we mentioned earlier it's a place to do illicit underground things things that are that's why it's dark that are against society not these 
not that all. These aren't the most critical ideas that I've ever heard in my life being spouted. Oh my, if you've ever listened to Dave Rubin, there's not a single goddamn idea that is new on that show. You know what I mean? It's just the same oh, Jordan old Jordan Peterson. It's just the same old fucking conservative bullshit repackaged mm-hmm. as centrism or or classical liberalism or what have you, you know. Mm-hmm. He, he's the only one I know who says that word and I and I don't even think he knows what it means. And I think he just does it cuz his whole narrative, right? The the Dave Rubin narrative is kind of genius. It's kind of genius in the way that he used to be a progressive, right? He used yeah, he to be was a, on that He's on young TIT, church, right? Yeah. yeah. I have I a long time ago cuz I I looked pa- I look at past clips sometimes and he's not even on those. And he's he was he's a gay. long time. He he's is, gay and married. Yeah, that's the thing him and Milo too. They pull the homosexual clip homosexual card um not that i care i don't care I, i'm just talking ideas i don't care if you're homosexual i don't care if you got a lamborghini or not if you're rich or not i care about your ideas you know like noam chomsky has made a lot of money he's a professor emeritus he's been making at least a good amount of money throughout his whole life he's been a professor for 65 years but i just care about like are you completely bought <laughs> which i think most of them are rogan is not rogan Ruben does is... not does not deserve to be in the crowd he's been he's been around way longer than any of those guys, in my opinion. Ruben definitely gets the Koch brother money. I don't mm-hmm. know necessarily. Oh, uh, actually. The Koch brothers find Breitbart. I don't know if they found Ben Shapiro's new organization. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure mm-hmm. on Shapiro, but um, God, you know who actually works for Peter Thiel is um, Eric Weinstein. Oh, Eric Peter Weinstein. Thiel isn't as bad, but have you ever listened to his libertarian ideas? He just doesn't fuck up the government as much as the Koch brothers, because the Koch brothers are just complete sociopaths bent on destroying the government. But I don't, I don't know how much Peter Thiel gives to PACs and stuff. Yeah, but I'm just saying that that's who Eric, Eric Weinstein, who mm-hmm. for, who came up with this whole mm-hmm. moniker of the intellectual dark web, is really is works for actual actually works for Thiel. So, mm-hmm. which I haven't ever heard much positive about as far as Teal's concerned. Mm-hmm. He's on that libertarian brand. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Peter Teal is the founder of Palantir. I've, I've interviewed with them. They are um, mostly a security government company. They do a lot of government contracts like Elon Musk's Tesla. Peter Thiel once wanted to do a libertarian utopia literally. And I think I'm re- I haven't read Atlas Shrugged, but I believe her idea is these billionaires leave to a private island. He, yeah. right? That is Galtz, the, Galtz, Galtz. Okay, yeah, that is literally, so he literally wanted to do that in real life. He wanted to buy a private island in international waters because international waters are not governed apparently by anyone, I learned, by the UN or the government or anyone. No one owns them. And do, he wanted to do a true libertarian economy or utopia where everyone just compete, just did libertarian ideals and um, he's never done it, but he's literally bought islands for it. And um, I think he must be one of the top 20 richest people on earth. Sounds accurate, but um, okay. So let's see where we're, where we're in terms of integrating these group of. I bought this point, point up earlier, and I and I just wanted to ask your thoughts on it because I brought up the point of I think where the these get the most people, but I haven't looked at the numbers. But just from my gut feeling, the most people they get into this intellectual dark web into their old groups: Shapiro, Rogan, everyone but Rogan. In my opinion, Rogan's okay. I don't know. If you're 18 and you listen to Rogan, I think it's he's, not... I think maybe he's the gateway drug. He's the gateway drug to all of these people because he, he, he has them on his show. He is. But that's true. And we talked about how just by the pure numbers, because there's more of them, he's more right-wing people on than left-wing people. Just because there's only one Abby Martin. 
Yeah. There's not like three other people. And Noam Chomsky and Chris Hedges don't go on his show because they've got better things to do. No, no, I don't know why they don't. But um, so and and Sam Cedar's in New York, so he doesn't come on. Um, so well, he won't say, have. They've. I think uh, Michael Brooks definitely has lobbied Rogan at I least at least get, via Twitter. To I think have Sam him on will get show. on eventually because I, I think know. Sam. I, I think Sam so. needs to go to California, but yes, because <laughs> you need to you need to be in a studio. He doesn't do you know whatever. Yeah, over the phone interviews. Yes. He just does face to face, which I can I can appreciate that. I've only ever done face to face, and I like it much better. Well, there you go. <laughs> but we uh, we were talking about something else actually. I was gonna. Ask we were talking. You. I was trying to yeah. bring up the Ezra Klein and oh, yes. Sam go Harris whole meltdown about Charles Murray being on his podcast. And so after after the whole thing went down, and he so I don't know if you, you should listen to Ezra Klein on the on waking up with Sam Harris. So afterwards, Harris comes out and he's talking about how considering Ezra Klein to be a far left, he's Ezra Klein is far left, and he's not gonna entertain far left ideas on anyone his show. who's Bernie or more anyone who's above who's Bernie is like calm is basically communist. But yes. That's the that's the mainstream spectrum. But yes, continue. Sorry. <laughs> Which I think I thought was pretty laughable that someone as milk toast as Ezra Klein, who I think mm-hmm. actually, if you go back and listen to that podcast, I think Ezra Klein somewhat unmasked po- uh, Sam Harris several times mm-hmm. on that podcast. Pretty successfully handled him. He comported himself really well. I thought mm-hmm. overall, even though he's sort of I think a milk toast. I, I mean, I would put him left of center, but I wouldn't. I would never consider him to be a, a radical leftist. But of course, Sam Harris comes out and he's like, you know, I'm never going to have any of these radical left. I, he's like, basically writes off all of the left. Anyone mm-hmm. who is to the left of fucking Ezra Klein is a radical leftist and refuses to engage with them in conversation. And Klein even challenged him during the podcast and be like, you know, why don't you have someone from Black Lives Matter Ooh. on your po- podcast? Why don't you have an actual, you know what I mean, someone who stands for social justice? That's what on I your want podcast? anyone to think about when you listen to these people. Why don't they have Noam Chomsky? Noam Chomsky, if you email him, he will respond. I've emailed well, him actually, once. He will debate anybody. I just will actually do. Him. I just noticed that. I just will actually do. You, you will you actually do. Yes. <laughs> you can, he, like, they don't. I agree with that completely. Sorry, I was going to mention Peterson before you go back. Peterson has been challenged many times. Oh, Doug Lane to challenged him. Doug Lane, and he made up an excuse, or he said he's busy. So Jordan Peterson avoids all debates. Anyway, what were you going to say? Um, God damn it! You made me lose my. You train said of well, actually, and I mentioned. Oh, oh anyone could debate. Yeah. So there was a. Actually, you can go back and look. And Sam Harris tried to engage yes, with with Chomsky. I don't know. I just wanted to mention I forgot that. the email. Yes. Um, I think there was, if, if nothing else, an email exchange. I, I don't remember the particulars of it, but... It was a little while ago. It was years ago. I don't think Harris comported himself very well. It's hard. <laughs> I've, I've, I've read. I, I, I respect. I'm very biased. I like Chomsky a lot. He's much more, ra- he's much more rational, and he's not, he's not there. He'll admit he's wrong, and he's not wrong that often. Um, and he's, 
he's thought if you ever hear him speak or read his books, he's thought about the issues, in my opinion, way more than a Sam Harris has. He's just he's he's one of the he, in my opinion, is the best intellectual in the West. So I respect him a lot. And um, he's very nice. He there's a million oh, not millions, but there was hundreds of interviews. He's he's interviewed Stephen Molyneux. There was an Alex Jones interview of Noam Chomsky. It's like 2003. He's interviewed Noam Chomsky, Alex Jones. But um, yeah, that's what I'm just saying. He's very open. And um, I'll listen to that Ezra Klein interview, but tell me more about that, because that's amazing. I'm just like, yeah, why don't you have all positions on? And it goes back to the whole free speech thing. Like, why doesn't Dave Rubin have anyone more left on the show? Because he has mostly right-wing people on. Yeah, it's exactly, and that's what, you know, they babble on, they babble on about this whole commitment to free speech, mm-hmm. but they won't have any, you know what I mean? They'll only caricature the left as social justice warriors or whatever but they won't have someone who's articulate and can really is a intellectual heavyweight have naomi klein on she's not even that radical in my opinion she's just like let's have a left economy yeah she's just like a liberal economist have richard you know who richard wolf is oh absolutely have richard wolf richard wolf's more radical than i think wolf is pretty i do it i like wolf i like his style i like him too yeah like dude those people would not even really grill you that much and you don't have those people on. And they're doing interviews all the time. Richard Wolf does a daily podcast and um, uh, public speech at his university every week. He posts it. It's on Democracy at Work or something on his, on that YouTube page. And it's like 90 minutes every day. And a whole, he does podcasts all the time with other people. He did one with Chapo. Anyway, I, if you actually, this is why... I say this intellectual dark web in my in from dissecting Peterson, Shapiro, and Rubin in particular because I don't look at all the others. They prey on the people who are just getting the politics or don't know anything, and just got think the social justice war is a little too crazy. But they don't know anything about Medicare for all versus privatized healthcare or the banks or Citizens United or global warming or foreign policy or foreign policy. Oh my God! Yeah, and the thing is, they get away with it because they ignore all those issues. I would say mostly Ruben, and they just don't talk about any of those issues. And if they do, they're just uh, no, they just don't talk about. It. And if they do, what what do I characterize them as? They just give generalities. They don't really talk about the Palestinian Israel situation because it's a complex scenario, and they don't usually give the complexities. Right. You just, I mean, I think Shapiro is probably the only one who really even engages with that whole conflict at all. But his, obviously his, mm-hmm. he's got a very reactionary view. Yes. He uh, thinks the Palestinians are always in the wrong, which is interesting. Oh, uh, surprise. Hmm. Interesting, right? He thinks Hamas is so powerful when we sell Israel 30 billion in weapons. Oh my God. Right. Not oh. to mention they have new, don't they do. Israelis yes, do have, have nukes. nukes, right? And uh, Israel, Israel's worried about Iran getting nukes, but that's because they want to be the sole power in the Middle East. I mean, if you, th- I forget who it was that was pointing this out. I mean, if you look at it strategically in terms of geopolitics, look at the location of Saudi Arabia, look at the location of Israel, mm-hmm. um, the Suez Canal, and its relation to all of this and resources and. You know what I mean? It's a, it's very, it very much pushes itself in the direction of that imperialist narrative. There's this great speech by Wesley Clark. He ran for president, I think, on the Republican ticket against John McCain in 2008, and it's a Democracy Now interview with Amy Goodman, and he, he simply says, "If the Middle East didn't have oil, it would be like Africa. Yeah, we wouldn't be there." And yeah. that's like that's that. I think I said that last time, but that 
one line always sticks to my mind. That's somewhere ISIS, the Middle East. If we if there wasn't oil there, we wouldn't be there. <laughs> that's yeah. the whole. Um, that's all you need to know. Like Iraq was for oil. Afghanistan is actually a little bit for poppy, but there's also oil there too. So, I mean, it's also, but it's also a strategic. Like, th- yes. look at where it's located in terms. You know what I mean? Because you have Russia there. Um, they're on the border. Afghanistan borders Pakistan as well. So it's there's geopolitical implications to all of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in terms of that where those places are situated, um, pipelines, access to oil, access to um, mm-hmm. shipping lanes. You know what I mean? It's it's not just mm-hmm. this war on terror. Is just you know what I mean? That's the convenient selling point mm-hmm. yeah. tied to fear. And the reason I don't think almost not foreign policy is so tough to talk about because it's very complicated. And most of the issues go back like Israel-Palestine started in 47 when Israel invaded Palestine. So it's a very uh, long issue. And Iran, I mentioned to you in the car, we cooed them in 53. I've never watched a CNN segment when they talk about Iran and said, oh, that's right. We cooed their leader. We literally installed our own guy because oil. So like... That's why it's so sad is that the issue's deep. You you can't talk about it in five minutes. You need to do a deep dive on it every time. But they talk about it like, oh, like Iran's only existed for a minute or something. Like it's only been like the last year is all that counts when that's not true. Iran was developing a democracy. And because they developed one, they elected a good leader, a leader who liked the people. I mean, God forbid someone, someone of the, the leader of the country likes the people and not the U.S. And we cooed them. And um, in seven, what's the event called in seventy nine? In seventy nine, we had the, the their counter revolution happened. Right. Um, is it the Arab Spring? No, it's not. Called no. Um, anyway, that's when they overthrew the Shah, <laughs> and now we're here. So they still remember that. Their people still remember that. And dude, if if it's just like the drone bombings, if you're if you live in Afghanistan, Iraq, you get drone bombed. You have a little farm. Nothing else. Your whole family dies in this drone bombing. You don't think you're going to get mad? What do you think you're going to do? Get happy? That the, and then a guy comes to you and says, hey, I'll help you get back at those people who, who bombed your place. You think you're not going to join them up? I just... Um, Chris Hedges says it best. If you speak to the people in the language of violence, all they know is violence to speak back with. And that's what we've done. Absolutely. But yet, uh, the intellectual dark web member, Sam Harris, always places the blame on Islam specifically, on the being religion. the... The, I guess the catalyzing force for terrorism, mm-hmm. as opposed to this whole geopolitical game that we've been playing in yeah. the Middle East for, you know, yeah. going back, like you said, what should that's like what seventy five, eighty years, but really, like we spoke about earlier off- offline, was this goes back to the end of the Ottoman Empire and like car- and carving up the Middle East with these arbitrary boundaries and throwing different conflicting ideologies and groups and tribes and, and so forth all into different you know what i mean these sort of arbitrary boundaries that fit the imperialist powers needs at the mm-hmm. time right yes and that's the legacy we still are dealing with mm-hmm. you know what i mean because people like the kurds who in rojava have a very interesting anarchist syndicalist type murray bookchin mm-hmm. you know sort of guideline mm-hmm. um that they go by in in terms of their political organization and you know very local and direct democracy and equality and it's not always the most 
perfect scenario, but at least they're that's like the most hopeful mm-hmm. political development that for the left that I see out there in mm-hmm. terms of things right now, right? No, I, I agree. And um, sorry, something else I just thought about in the Middle East. They never talk about OPEC, uh, Organization for Petroleum Exploration Council. And that happened when we oil oil production in the U.S. territory, in the U.S. land, peaked in, what, 70? In the Carter administration. And so he did OPEC, which says that's our oil. And uh, everyone has to purchase it in dollars. And so we still have the petrodollar. And slowly, that's one of the biggest, um, if you ever want to see a big correlation with U.S. hegemony, look at if someone drops his, drops the petrodollar for the petro euro, as Iran just did, or the petro yuan, which I think China is next in line to come after us just because they're next in line. All empires fall. And... Um, it's always a good, if you ever want to just look at direct correlations, just that's a good stat. It's never reported in the news, but it's a huge deal if a country goes off the petrodollar because that means they're not slaves to our banks. Or the whole central banking cartel and what have you. The Fed. Yep. And were you saying something before? But anyway, that's what even I don't think us, the Middle East, that's what I really hate about CNN. Fox is just complete propaganda. But they never give the authority to say, dude, this is a really complicated issue. And that's why they love Trump's tweets, because Trump's tweets are shallow issues. And they can they discuss it for 20 minutes. It's so sad. I'm at the gym and I don't even it's on mute, but I can see that they just show his tweet and the whole segment's on his damn tweet. And tweets are literally 140 characters. No, they're two. They're 200. They 240, expanded, 280 they expanded now. It. You're right. He's, he's got me. You're living double, in the you're living double, in the past. Double the detail from Donald Trump. I just double, broke you on the wheel of logic. Double the boom. Double, now you get double the detail. I just used facts on you, bro. You did, man. <laughs> Donald Trump uses it well. And uh, they won't, I mean, and first of all, if they ever cover the Middle East, they never cover how much we give Israel, how much, why we support Saudi Arabia. Ew. We sold them $130 billion in arms. Oh, that's and disgusting. who's been pushing more of the, you know, the Wahhabist agenda mm-hmm. is Saudi Arabia as a counterweight to Iran. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean in the in the region mm-hmm. because that's the whole Sunni Shia conflict. Oh, right? I'm I'm really worried about Iran because of John Bolton. I mean, I'm really worried about it. We'll see what happens. I think I just I don't I really think Trump is just so dumb, but he's just pushed by everyone. So John Bolton in his ear means we're going to invade Iran. I, I don't know. I I don't think we have enough stupid people. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of stupid people in yeah. the government, but. I don't think there's enough lunatics even to push that because it would be a fucking... You think Iraq was bad? If we try to invade mm-hmm. Iran, I mean, it would be... There would be millions of people killed. It would be millions way and millions. worse than Iraq. Oh, it would be... Iraq did not have an army, right? No, they had an army. Very small. But uh, the thing about Iran is they have... It's a very, you know... The country is... It's yeah, it's a totally different environment. Yeah, and we're not good Iraq. in we're not good in guerrilla warfare. Guerrilla warfare is really hard to beat. People do not accept that. You think you can just bomb everywhere? No, no, no. They're spread out, dude. They're sporadic. They're hiding in underground and shit. They're trying to do whatever they can, and it it works. It's very hard to kill. Um, we had Agent Orange. We had chemical warfare in Vietnam. It really still didn't work that effectively. So, I mean, we killed a lot of Vietnamese people. Yeah. Oh, people still, Vietnam farmers still just do their farms and they um, run into mines today because of just all the shit we left there. So, 
yeah, it's it's really sad. And um, Agent Orange was invented by Monsanto, and I think people are trying to st- sue him for all the deaths caused for that. But yeah, it's very chemical warfare. Is so scary, man. It's just like gas. It just kills you. Oh, anyway. What VX sarin? Mm-hmm. Who knows what else? All kinds of different ner- nerve agents that are possible. Mm-hmm. I Who mean, knows what else has been developed? Like I'm more worried about biochemically engineered viruses and and things of that nature okay. being used on people. That could be really scary. Like the technology for that sort of stuff. That I'm sure there's shit out there that we don't even know about. I hope so. Our so much of 54 of our discretionary budget goes into um, the DoD, goes into military. So I hope they have the top. They hope like nukes on nukes on nukes and. Stuff, I you know I know I I kid, but you hope they have what? What are you What are you talking about? You hope they have no. I'm saying if all our money goes, 54 percent of our tax dollars go to military. So I hope we have the best technology on the planet because we're sure as hell funding it. (laughs) That's a joke. You get what I mean? Oh yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I'm just fucking with you a little bit. Yeah, I'm well actualing you again. Nah, it's okay. Um, (laughs) People don't realize how many schools we could build with that money. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyways, let, let's get back to to JBP and in, in particular because I want to I want to break JBP on on the wheel of logic. Mm-hmm. I want to put my best Ben Shapiro impression on and say, "Well, uh, uh, Mister Sh- Mister Peterson, facts don't care about your goddamn feelings, bro." So What's his feeling, man. Uh, Jordan B. Peterson's whole thing is that again that hierarchies are justified, mm-hmm. that that they're biological, that they're based on competency. I mean, I think if you take a cursory glance at, you know, maybe something as in who our president is, you can sort of t- shoot down that argument pretty readily that mm-hmm. the most competent people do not always get to rise to be the leader of the hierarchy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even if you're if you're a proponent of what I would say Adam Smith capitalism, you would hate aristocracy, which is what we have in the Trump family and the Koch brothers, and basically any billionaire. But if someone gets rich when they die, that the in capitalism money should be very cyclical. You want the money to be cycling through. So like you know the the rich billionaire finally dies, and then the money goes back into the economy that makes the school, that makes the shoes, that then allows the person to buy the apartment, start the business, etc. And then the the company, you know, instead of you know it it, it it you could actually make a trickle down economy work if you actually made it properly trickle down. Like saying if you actually made the estate tax work. Um, is is that what you're saying? No, I mean okay. I I don't necessarily agree with free market economics. Oh, I don't. I don't. But I'm just saying if you were actually talking like what Adam Smith proposed. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, a more um, this a more neoclassical I'm, I'm for ending capitalism. A more neoclassical version of of capitalist how it's intended to work is different than obviously what we have. The problem with capitalism primarily is it's beyond just what I described in terms of hierarchy is that, you know, over history, over history, resources are distributed unequally, right? That's what markets do. They just, you know what I mean? That's what distributions do. They literally say compete for as much of the pie as you can, which is going to create inequality over time. So whenever you're, you're, whenever you're born, depending on what family you're born to, you're going to have access to different resources. So whenever people like the folks in the intellectual dark web try to 
you know what I mean? That they always try to paint the left as trying to ensure equality of outcome. They're they're assuming they automatically assume that there is equality of opportunity when they're clearly you cannot have equality of opportunity when resources are distributed unevenly. Period. How could you ever have equality of outcome when one person starts on third base, the other one starts on first base? You know, you can't. The biggest problem. I agree. So you're you're saying essentially that we've actually created enough technology. We've, our food system is good enough where we could end poverty completely, and we haven't done it because the whole system is based on competition. So even though we've actually created the automation needs to do so, we refuse to do so because it would thus be uh, going against the system. That's that's not entirely what I'm getting at um, because I think, especially in terms of food, we definitely produce, we nominally produce enough food to feed everyone. But in terms of dis- that's the way that... It, it would take a lot more energy to distribute that food to the right people that need it. The way that we do things now is just super inefficient in terms of food production because a lot of shit gets thrown away and we do create a lot of excess food. Mm-hmm. But even if we wanted to take that excess production and distribute it, it would cost quite a bit more money. We couldn't feed. I don't think we can literally f- feed everyone because it would have to be we'd have to come up with a better distribution system Mm -hmm. like yes so what you're talking the system creates externalities so for instance our system doesn't care about capitalism i define the system as it doesn't care if we've wasted all that food or that it it's literally what a thousand four hundred miles for the average plate of food travels so you talked about localization right at the beginning of this podcast that we have to do a lot of things locally like local government or local um was it called the cops have to be locally? Um, yeah, I was to? talking about yeah. community well, policing I, specifically. I agree. Yeah, and I sorry, I wanted to bring that point up again just because I think a lot of solutions eventually to solve climate change, almost everything's going to be localized. Food production will have to be localized. Transportation will have to be local. Like literally, you're going to have to find a way to have a job where you either walk, you do something along a carbon footprint of walking or biking to it, or maybe we have a nice metro train that goes through the whole dang town. Okay. But and then you get off that metro train and you immediately bike, uh, bike uh, one mile or something, or you know you get on you know if you're you wheelchair there or whatever. So the biggest externality would probably be climate change in terms of the system doesn't care if uh, Syria has a civil war because the farmers can't grow food anymore because we've been burning oil for forty years, burning coal and uh, CO two whatever burning fossil fuels is the correct term. And um, our system doesn't know how to handle those externalities because we purposely just denote it onto the poor. And if we actually had to deal with those externalities, our total system would be completely different. Because then basically what you're asking for is for the rich to actually pay for their products because we do not pay for our products. We just shovel the cost down to Mexico or whatever, some piss poor country. Yeah, exactly. We export the pollution to other countries where the labor costs are cheaper and there's no regulation or the regulations are less stringent than they would be Mm -hmm. here in the u.s which yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. which goes along with the demolishing of unions it's very hard for workers to fight i feel worldwide because so let's say i i know in canada is the is the particular example so canada um these walmart workers in canada uh voted to unionize they had a vote for their walmart to unionize. it was the only walmart in canada at the time i think there's more since then and uh, Walmart just left. 
Walmart just said, okay, we're closing down. You've always unionized, we're closing down. That was the first Walmart ever to unionize. And it's because in, the, in, in globalization, it's a race to the bottom. They can go and find the place that will not unionize. They can go to China. I think they import $30 billion a year from China and they just sell it. Even if they're buying this stuff for a dollar so or whatever. So make, it's marking it up for $4 is money all day, baby. Um, and the Walton family is like for the 10 richest people, so... I agree with you on the externalities and people just don't see that because that's never talked about and you don't see that you don't see that oh in the production of this bagel you bought it's actually been the real cost of this if you had to pay for the cost of this it'd be 10 bucks yeah you'd never buy it because of how um destructive grain production is because we made it that way um yeah yeah because it's all about maximizing profit Mm -hmm. instead of being you know what i mean the system itself is against any kind of sustainable model because you're trying to maximize mm-hmm. the efficiency of growing mm-hmm. so that it's a bad it's a poorly incentivized system in many mm-hmm. regards because of that the main drive not being what's is just to maximize what you can produce as opposed to what is going to be the most sustainable and model yes so yeah, yeah. So if if you buy an iPhone, you know, I think most people think that's a great deal for like a thousand bucks or less than a thousand bucks. You get this great device that it functions as a wallet now, functions as a camera, functions as a video camera, functions as Facebook, Twitter, email, everything in your mind. But someone at Foxconn who makes literally four cents an hour, they have to build nets around their tents, so um, nets around their buildings, so that they when they commit suicide, they hit the net instead because their life is just so torturous. And I think people try to guilt people into that, but it's just the situation that Apple, I think there's a classic story where Obama asked um, maybe Steve Jobs or maybe it was the other guy at the time, when are you going to bring Jobs back to America? And he just laughed because he's, he's never going to do that because he makes the most money in China. Um, yeah, I, you, that brings up something that I kind of, I think since I've awakened to a lot of, um, I guess this more... More being more aware of how economic imperialism works, you know, it it's hard to I think deal with existentially the amount of suffering that our lifestyle in the U.S. creates worldwide, both in terms of the situation you described in Foxconn, but also the Middle East in terms of the oil and extraction, the rare earth minerals that oh. are harvested to that go into all these technological devices extremely toxic and the child workers that have to deal with that lifestyle and you know it's it becomes it's mm -hmm. it's a lot to deal with and to take on personally and i don't think people necessarily want to realize that Mm -hmm. their lifestyle is directly impacting the lives of others and that is a hidden cost that we don't ever see yeah you know what i mean we live in a, our, the entire country of the u.s is pretty pretty bourgeois in mm-hmm. comparison to the rest of the globe mm-hmm. by and large you know and this isn't me pointing the finger at anyone so it's because the corporate the corporate coup d'etat as john ralston Saul says is so vast in america like, try going into a grocery store, a big box grocery store, which is mo- where most people shop, and try buying a product that's not influenced by Monsanto. Almost every single grain product was probably used making, what's their f- signature product? Um, 
Ah, uh, that they they made that special strand. There, of, I thought it was round. Was it Roundup? Roundup, yeah, with Roundup, which is weed resistant. Yeah. Okay. Try buying their grains. Okay. Um, like a quarter million farmers in India committed suicide working for Monsanto because they couldn't make any enough money to feed their family anymore. And so you know, unless you really, really, really take the time to go outside the grass of the corporations, which is like literally growing your food, um. Literally going to a farmer's market, taking your time to do that every weekend or whatever. You're forced to. Like, what are you going to do? Not have a Google? Not have a Gmail? Not go on YouTube? But be, even be even beyond that, too, you have to think about the, you know, the amount of petroleum it takes to transport. Even at the farmer's market level, you're still transporting mm-hmm. things. You're still having to use fertilizers. Well, think, all, think of this. All your plastic... Is made. Did you, I didn't know this until really recently. Plastic is all oil. Oh my god! How much plastic out of my house? I mean, look at shit. Look around here. Look how much plastic there is in this house. Just like mm-hmm. there's hundreds of there's yeah. fucking hundreds, maybe a thousand pounds of plastic just in this one house. Mm-hmm. And you're totally right on the transportation sector. No matter how this got here, boat, plane, whatever, like that alcohol right there, just pointing at whatever, or like any of anything on that shelf is. Um, all got transported here with massive amounts of oil. Well, that and another thing. I mean, oh, think oh. think about. Okay, let's use alcohol in, as an example, right? So, alcohol distilled is distilled from some type of grain product, yes, that's tip, true. or plant that's true. product, right? That had to be grown in soil that isn't getting. You know what I mean? That is trying to be. We're trying to maximize. They may have chopped down the Amazon. Well, they they are chopping down the Amazon. They chopped down huge parts of the Amazon. I'm sorry, I interrupted you, Copper Cooper. Just go. So they're, um, yeah, so they had to plant whatever plants they're maximizing the production of those particular plants to make it as cheap as possible so that they can profit as much as possible in the sales, right? So then they've got to transport that plant to a another or those, you know, biological material to a plant where it's processed that it requires energy to, you know, I think distillation uses a, a heat process. So there's got to be energy used there. Then we have to use energy to trans to bottle that product, and then you, obviously most of the time you have a plastic lid. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Where did the resources come to create that? Then we've got to transport that to a, a store. Mm-hmm. That store has to be air conditioned and so forth. So it, once you start to add up all of those costs and environmental resources that are allocated to something then the cost really becomes staggering in terms of resources. And a lot of people don't have the, haven't really interrogated everything that's involved in their particular lifestyle, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And I don't blame any particular individual for this just because it's so hard to look the other way. Like even like, like how else are you going to get alcohol? You're going to make it, You, you know, like, how else are you going to get it from going to whatever my store, the store that you went to to get that alcohol or whatever to get that video game? How else are you going to do it? You're not going to make it yourself unless you really have the time. So, like, that's your only choice is to, you know, take advantage of a sweatshop in China. Like, unless you really want to take drastic options. It's right there. It's the easiest thing to do. And I think, like, uh, you know, we like doing easy things. We like being lazy. And, um, you know, we didn't vote for this. At some level, we didn't. Uh, we got lucky and were born in the first world, which uh, every day uh, be appreciative of. That's why you should travel. Anyone in this pocket listening to this podcast, travel so you get appreciation. I went to Machu Picchu, so much poverty. Holy crap! 
makes you appreciate the lights coming on. Let me just say that. So, um, did you take a selfie at that particular? Yeah. There's like a special. It's my, pro, it's my profile picture. If we're friends on, if we're friends <laughs> on Facebook, it's my profile picture. You know, I actually noticed we are. We are. We're I don't think we're friends are on we Facebook. Friend? I was we trying to friend. find you actually okay. earlier. I don't think I could find you. Well, I'm Alex Norton. You can do it. Well, later. I know. I know what your name is. That's okay. <laughs> Cooper Cherry. So, uh, we need to be friends on Facebook yeah. if we're not it's already. It's the iconic match. <laughs> The one that ever the meme it's basically the one a meme that shows the point. whole yeah, yeah the one that shows the whole city yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine who travels a lot and he was he was kind of railing against that everybody's <laughs> got to go get their fucking Machu Picchu it's selfie. a good photo <laughs> and then I I didn't really realize that it was a thing until I was started I googled Machu Picchu selfie and saw infinite number of fucking white people mm-hmm. with their goddamn selfie yeah. and some llamas. Mixed in there too. Yeah, I took a picture next to a llama, but that God wasn't where the selfie was. There are llamas so, there. They terrible. don't touch the llamas. I'm judging you so hard right now. I know. It was <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, and I I had my iPhone. I took a picture with and your fucking iPhone. That when we were in the cities, the poverty there was staggering. There were people there who hadn't eaten for a while. Your iPhone with rare earth minerals. Yep. Not those. The suffering of children. Yeah. The Foxconn workers. Just an aggregation yeah. of suffering, just so you could take a. But it's it's this one way street. Selfie. Like, what are you gonna do? Not have an iPhone? I guess you can, but it's like, especially if you're young, like the the whole it, everyone just pulls you towards that. Like, oh my god, you don't have a phone? Like, you know, you either do that or get get thrown by the wayside in the first world. Yeah, there's like a there's an element of I kind of broke or mentioned this concept earlier of cultural or social capital, and that's what it has, and especially since America is such a Mm-hmm. You know, hark. You know, it's all about social status. Social mm-hmm. status is so important here. Mm-hmm. So yes, you have to have the markers of wealth, or you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Conspicuous consumption, for mm-hmm. example, I think is sort of what you're getting at. No, the marketing tactics are so good on that. Watching average advertising, and almost always, the, why why are you watching this person? It's they're cool because they're wearing Vans, or they have the product, or they're Kim Kardashian. Or whatever, right? That's what advertising says is, hey, you will be the person you want to be if you get X. You will be a successful mm-hmm. hierarchy. You will be. You will reach the top of the hierarchy, the hierarchy. if you purchase but, um, this product. If you ever give me in a moment of um, person, you know, um, personal, I guess insight, I'd say that the thing that matter most to me is my relationships with other people, and I think almost a lot of society is making us forget that. I think anyone just enjoys having friends. Yeah, and we're definitely it. isolated. I mean, mm-hmm. in many respects. I mean, that goes to the whole. And there's, it's so easy now for people to withdraw from the greater culture at large. And that's what I, one criticism of conservatism in general is too, is that they don't ever realize that a lot of the shit they complain about is because of capitalism. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, for example, the war on the the quote-unquote war on the family mm-hmm. what more war has been waged on the family than you know as far as a cause than yeah. capitalism itself requiring both parents to work to sustain this kind of bullshit lifestyle that we all have to aspire yeah. to you know 2.5 kids in a house and two cars in the garage and all that yeah. sort of bullshit that we're fed that's all BS. it's yeah. supposed to make us happy but no, you're going to wind up on fucking antidepressants and Cialis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Facebook usage, they, they've they done studies, Facebook uses, the more you check Facebook, the more depression increases because you get FOMO, fear of missing out. 
you get you get FOMO, dude. You just see what everyone else is doing. Of course you're gonna get depressed. Even if you just use Facebook for five minutes, you feel that at least a little bit. And the more you use it, the more you feel it. You see everyone because people post. I I the people who post like where they are on Facebook scares the crap out of me. I'm like the like thing check, is checking in. I'm like what? the NSA is already inspire spying on everything you do. Do you really need to just let them know? <laughs> Anyway. You have to let them know that you were at Machu Picchu. I know, I did. They have my picture. <laughs> no, my whole thing about that is, dude, the NSA is, are, is literally spying on every keystroke you do, so who cares? And, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like, if they really cared, they would get you. Anyway. Yeah. But don't don't post your drug deals on there. I, right? I don't worry about it much. I don't try to do anything <laughs> Yeah. grossly my understand. idiotic. But <laughs> No, but I guess I was I talking to some of my DSA friends, and they wanted to quit Facebook because of the Cambridge Analytica scandal. And I do tech. And, and then I guess, you could have been like, yo, have you heard about Palantir, dog? Yeah. What I explained to them is that why is Facebook free? It's because their entire product is selling your data. Okay? They have been doing this the whole time. Cambridge Analytica is just the one instance, and I guarantee you they're a myriad. They got caught. Right. It's their whole business model, motherfuckers. You are the product. Yeah, you are the product. And if you're going to quit Facebook, let me tell you this. They already have everything. They already yeah, have everything right? they essentially need. Like yeah. they don't know what you're gonna do next month, but they know everything you buy. Blah 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 blah. blah. You know, it's over. They've won. Deal with it. <laughs> you know, they've completely won. And um, quitting doesn't do anything. <laughs> anyway, that's that's my little takeaway for anyone. And but if you want Facebook's price stock price to go down, quit Facebook. That would that's the one thing it would actually do. It would if you got enough people to quit, it would make their stock price go down. But in terms of you being more secure, it's a laugh. Yeah. Um, I mean, at we, this point, yeah. I, I don't even give a fuck enough to, to quit it. I don't you check should. it all that regularly. Mm-hmm. I try yeah. I try to avoid no, that. You, but I mean, I'm really on Twitter. Should. I mean, I'm yeah. not to underscore the fact that I'm a super... You're on, I'm, a, I'm a super online type of dude. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? How how do you not be a millennial? <laughs> exactly. Not be online all the time. I mean, you're forced to. I mean, I love it. I, I love the fucking internet. I have YouTube Red. YouTube Red's one of the best subscriptions. No ads on YouTube. Fucking great. Um, that's one of my... And Spotify. I subscribe to both of those. So I'm on the thing all the time. I just... People people who get on the internet all this time don't even understand how it works. <laughs> and um, they should. Like, understand, when you click yes to those, those user agreements, you're, you're not signing your soul, but you're signing your data over. And... Uh, they can do a lot with this data. I mean, I think even in many ways, I think Google is probably worse than Facebook mm-hmm. from that standpoint because they're, you know, with Gmail, they read your fucking emails. That's true. They know what websites you go to. Mm-hmm. They know your search history. Mm-hmm. That extends way beyond what. And that's why the I scope use of- Ecosia. Use Ecosia or DuckDuckGo. They do not share your information, supposedly. I mean, think about that. That's way. I th- mm-hmm. That's. You know, I mean, you share quite a bit on Facebook, mm-hmm. but not, I don't think, the same level. There's a lot more shit mm-hmm. that, you know what I mean? Because your Facebook is more like your public appearance. The shit that you search on Google <laughs> says a lot more about what you're really doing. You That's know what true. I mean? That's true. I agree. And they do have your your uh, email. I didn't think about that. Um, your yeah. documents, you know what I mean? Your, oh, they could yeah, read your fucking files, your you know your Google, Google Docs. They have Google, Google Images. Sheets, images, yeah. yeah. They Even really though, do have everything. Just if they, The only thing they regret is they missed Facebook. 
they they did Google Plus and no one's on it. That's the only regret Google really has. They would have if they could have co-opted Facebook, they would have done it. They just missed the Facebook bubble and then ended up being a big bubble. Um, there's only five tech giants. There's only five tech companies that really matter. Um, Who do we have? We have Apple, Amazon. Yep. Google. Google. App, uh, you said Apple, Amazon. Oh no. Uh, is Facebook, Facebook really that yeah, powerful? Facebook is the fourth. I think they're bigger than they have more profits than Microsoft now. And the last one is um, that you didn't say Microsoft. I did not say Microsoft. Microsoft they're the fifth one. Yeah. That's it. Why? Why does Microsoft have such? Microsoft's reach? the last one. Debatedly, it could be the big four. Some people. I read a, a New York Times article that called it in a Washington Post article that called it the big four. But I would still say it's the big five. With because after that it's a huge drop off between anyone else, like even profits wise or um, how much they control wise or whatever. The truth is, um, Microsoft didn't play its cards right since Bill Gates left in 1999, and they could have had everything. Um, he missed the internet. He missed mobile bomber. They just missed all these bubbles, but they still were so in the head. They're still in bad position. But Apple just passed them up. Steve Jobs came back and just whipped them, just whipped them in the shape. Um, because I yeah just I, I don't really why I haven't looked into it but they just missed all those bubbles I just mentioned they missed oh they missed the Zune they missed the personal music revolution which wasn't as big which wouldn't have been as bad if they hadn't missed the smartphone revolution which yeah. was the biggest thing to miss and um, they, which Apple definitely took advantage which spearheaded and all Google, their Google at least made some profit off it Google yeah. I mean, well they have Android yeah. is like yeah Android's really good I don't know yeah so like. I don't. You don't have to be the leader in every revolution, but they've been last in th- in the three big ones in the 21st century. So internet, I would say, um, and I mean like the browsers. Yeah, like what it was yeah. MSN. Yeah, it was MSNBC. They have now they have what Bing, I guess. They Bing. Bing. Oh yeah, I guess you include search engine, but that's just Google. I'm talking overall. Like yeah, I'm trying something they all tried to compete in, but I'm um, sure search engine they sucked on. Um, music revolution because Sony even had the Walkman and stuff, right? So Z- Z- Sony had a good thing. The Zune didn't. Well, really Sony do was anything. pre-digital predominantly. Okay, yeah. Sony really yeah. fell off the fucking map in terms of like back in the nineties and they owned, yeah. They were. Well, that's what Microsoft's going through right now. I don't know. I feel like Microsoft is somewhat resurgent because of, I guess they get some shine because of Bing, but they're in gaming with the Xbox. That's, you know what I mean? Halo was a huge... I'm glad you mentioned that. I'd forgotten about that. Halo was a huge That thing. is the one thing... That's actually something they won on. Isn't Xbox the most selling system? Probably. Their yeah. product? More than PS? Probably, yeah. More I than, would, more than PlayStation? So. That is probably the only... Which is a... It's a big... I have no idea what the... Not as big as a smartphone. The smartphone yeah, has definitely been the most definitely. profitable. But um, that's something they won on. So that... I give... I forgot about that because I don't game. Uh, that's a big... That's a win. But I'm trying to think what else they're doing. But I the mean, next, Office 360, Office, they... Office, yes. It's something that... So the next big gained. category, and maybe the mother of them all, is AI, is artificial intelligence, and how they use it. So Facebook Facebook and Google already use it. It's built into their products to predict what you're going to do next. Amazon does it too. I, I entered at Amazon, and they could predict with a 92% accuracy what you're going to buy next. And it's probably gone up since then. Well, yeah, but I mean, if I could watch your fucking... Yeah, yeah, search no, history. I could I know probably predict, what, but still, they're writing a program that can do that. But just yeah. imagine when it goes into what kind of healthcare service you. I don't know. Yeah, but I, yeah, imagine. You see where it's going when right? you can scale that shit, yeah. and you can run complex algorithms yeah. in the split second. And the reason AI is so deal because it's like you know people talk about the smart car. Well, what about it when every fucking product is smart? 
that's what the real end game is. The real end game is I'm Elon Musk and I own all these robots and you have to pay these robots if you want any tasks done and a human can't even come close to these tasks and I have all the money because all the money goes to my robots. That's the end game um, that I see. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned Musk because he got into a Twitter beef with... Uh, are you familiar with the existential comics? No. Oh, you I didn't know he got into beefs. Oh yeah, he got he, into a beef and was mm-hmm. like, he got called out by the Existential mm-hmm. Comics Twitter account, mm-hmm. which I would absolutely recommend checking. You should follow Existential Comics; mm-hmm. they're quite quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, but they called out Musk as being like a kind of a parody of this Randian idea that you brought up. You know, Atlas shrugged earlier. Um, Oh, he's it was kind of a joke on that. I've never seen him like Peter Thiel. Literally, like will quote Ayn Rand when talking publicly. Like it's so scary. I don't, but he's definitely an Ayn Rander. <laughs> um, one of the most toxic ideologies that woman ever left on this earth was Ayn Rand. Jesus Christ! You know, Paul Ryan requires his whole staff to read Ayn Rand. <laughs> I literally God. watched him talk, and he mentioned that in a speech, and I was like, "Oh my God, he's incredibly psycho." And I've never read Atlas Shrugged. Apparently, it's got a lot of good reviews. It's one of the most sold books of all time, which again is very scary. Have you ever read? Have you read any? Foundhead. No, wait, the two ones are. She's read many, but it's Foundhead and Alice. Yeah, Rander, those the are the ones, two right? big ones that always get talked about. I just read 1984, one of the best books I ever read. Very short. I actually, I will say that I did quite enjoy Anne Rand's mm-hmm. um, Anthem. Is that what's called? Is that another book? It's a. It's kind of along the lines of a 1984 Brave New World kind of dystopian mm-hmm. future. It's pretty short. It's I, I gotta just barely over world. 100. You absolutely do. That's, Huxley. That's Huxley. A, that's way old because that's like 1930s, right? Cause, yeah, um, I think 34 maybe. What's his? Because he wrote he wrote um, 1984 <laughs> was written in 1949. Right. So and it's about communist Russia, even though it resembles our state more today. I would say than communist Russia did back then, just because the technology he. We literally have the technology he talks about in that book, like the screens and the Amazon Echoes and the Alexas. Like we literally have the t- what's it called? The thing that shows the leader and the like the screen that plays in every room they go into that has like a message every night. That's the technology we literally have in most of our homes. It's pretty funny anyway. Um, George Orwell, I haven't read. Um, I want to read his. He's. I can't believe I read boring books in school. My parents read that <laughs> like in seventh. That was their seventh grade reading list. 1984, I was like, this is one of the most revolutionary books ever. I read um, uh, Catcher in the Rye. I was so bored by that. I thought 1984 <laughs> was so... 1984 has a love story. It's got action, in my opinion. And it's got an insane ending. <laughs> <laughs> in the end, he loved Big Brother. Yeah. That's but lo- yeah, you got to read, lo- um, like you said, Brave New World. I've been... I've had this idea to actually adapt it to screenplay, to a screenplay. Is it not a movie? Uh, Have they not made well, it in a they, movie? Kind of, in, I, in I a way. So there's I haven't a, seen the... Sorry. There's a movie called uh, from the ni- early 90s called Demolition Man that okay. makes some passing kind of references to it, but it's nothing quite... It's not quite a, an adaptation, but it makes a definitely... There's a lot of inspiration involved, but it's not a direct uh, adaptation. I'm screaming for a 1984 remake. I haven't watched the one, but in 1984 they made the movie 1984. Yeah, I think and John I, Hurt. Yeah, I haven't. I watched the ad on YouTube, but I haven't seen it. But I it didn't like, get the best reviews, if I remember. Yeah, I, I looked it up on IMDb, and it was nothing to squall home about. And I was like, yeah. well, though, damn it, the book was so good, and the book is short. And the thing about short books is you could actually include 
Like reading that book, you could easily include every element of the story, every scene in a one in a ninety minute movie. Easily, in my opinion, um, there's really not that many scenes. Um, unlike Harry Potter, where they just skip like seventy percent of it. Which is okay. <laughs> I'm just a big Harry Potter fan. But, um, well, it, any final comments on the intellectual, the ineffectual dork web? I know. We. I'm sorry. I scavenged so much from that. I scattered so much from that. I, I, I to, think it's an all right, I think it's an all right funnel, <laughs> and I think you disagree with me that on a little bit. It's an all right funnel, mostly funded by big money, excluding Rogan. I don't like to put Rogan in there. I'll put Rogan in there. I I think that article does put Rogan in there, so he is officially in there. Uh, Rogan is the only honest actor, in my opinion. I don't know who Laura Laura Southern is. The other girl. Uh, I, she wasn't listed. It oh, Laura was, Southern's different than what? Hunk, what was that girl you mentioned? She's pretty much. Oh, I mean, she's pretty much... Yeah, okay. And she would nominally anyway. be in that group, ultimately. I think... I think You remember, actually, speaking of, Sam Harris was making a big stink about how she got kicked off of Patreon or some shit, too, which just goes to show how much of a fucking Why? hack he is. Why? racist or something? She's got some pretty repugnant views. She's pretty reactionary. Okay. As long as you're... Most of them, except... We did mention Ben Shapiro on Israel, which is abhorrent that they what they do to the Palestinians. Who, I don't see things getting much better for them anytime soon. Um, He's got a tweet saying that it's pretty juvenile about Palestinians liking to live in filth and blow up things. It's so Gaza is considered the worst place. Is an open air prison. It's considered one of the worst places to live on Earth. Ninety five percent of the water is not drinkable, supposedly. Yeah, that's a situation that obviously doesn't get, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No one really Comes is in. on that. Only the left ever mentions any sort of critique of it's very brutal. of Israel and Gaza and anything like that. A- APEC, have you heard of APEC? Oh, APEC's absolutely. a really good. Sheldon Adelson. Oh, my God. APEC's a really good lobby. They do a really effing good job of never getting mentioned in the news. They do a really good job. But, yeah, that's definitely one area... And Chuck Schumer loves. Uh, and fucking Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer is an sorry APEC doll. But he, that guy fucking sucks. Period. Why don't we vote in him out? He's not up for re-election. Man, the Democrats are just out and all. Nancy Pelosi makes me want to throw up. The mainstream Democrats are so trash. The thing is, what they do, and it didn't even work last time. That's why Trump's president is they just say, oh, we're not as bad as the Republicans. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. They, they stand for nothing. Of course, if I if you made me held a gun in my face and said Chuck Schumer or Paul Ryan. Of course, I'm going to go course. with Ryan. Yeah, Chuck. of course. You're going to verse Ayn Rand, <laughs> essentially, with Paul Ryan. Um, that, but it, and that's what Hillary did. And she couldn't even do it. And she came close, by the way. Election was very. The election, as many people don't talk about this enough, was extraordinarily close. It wasn't Bush Gore close, but it was very. It was less than one percent. Anyway, it was close. Um, Bernie twenty twenty. But even so, like I think we had this conversation again. It's even if Bernie got elected, what the fuck's he gonna do? The whole, mm-hmm. the whole no, way I that everything, el- the whole thing, whole way mm-hmm. that everything else is apportioned in terms of local government and. Even if, if Bernie wins the presidency, we're going to have a Republican House. We're going to have a Republican Senate. Mm-hmm. They're going to block every single fucking thing he tries to do, just yeah. like Obama. Just for Bernie. Think of one thing you like Bernie to do. Anyone listening to this or just you, Cooper. 
Think of one thing you'd like Bernie to do. Medicare for all, Citizens United. That's the thing is he can't. Just think of one thing. For him to do one thing you would want to do, monumental Herculean FDR task of epic proportions. And then everyone would whiplash him, would whip him, right? And I completely agree. He's going to get money out of politics with money in politics? Good luck with that, you know? Yeah, the whole system (laughs) is not going to... We have to... We would have to have a literal a real sea change of representation that's like in the house and senate not just voting out every republican voting out chuck schumer voting out joe manchin voting out nancy pelosi exactly voting out 10 people i can't even freaking know because i don't pay attention to democrats that much because whatever six fucks (laughs) just voted to um basically everyone who's not warren or bernie unless you gave me the resume i'd be okay with voting out (laughs) Yeah, because there were what uh, with Gina Haspel, she just got confirmed because of oh, six God. six Democratic votes. Don't talk to me about Pruitt. when's Pruitt getting fired. Anyway, I agree, <laughs> dude. The thing is, I don't I don't care much about the appointees because, like, okay, Haspel doesn't get appointed. Who's he going to appoint? You know, Dick Cheney next? Yeah, some like other it's not fucking... like he's going to be like, oh, I guess I'll pick someone nicer now. True. Anyway, no, no, I. But um, it's so sad that that alone on the what's it six? Tell the story. Sorry. Um. Yeah, it was six Democrats voted to whatever, so that she got confirmed. But then that story came out about how they were putting, they were like putting food tubes up some of the prisoners' asses and weird shit like that. If you read any of the torture stories, there would be, it's beyond like they waterboarded a guy 160 times and then he admitted to something. It's like, dude, give me any human being on this earth and I, let's see, I'll get you to admit nine, you did 9-11 <laughs> if I waterboard you 160 times. Because they're not going to stop. They're just like, oh, we'll do it enough. They don't care. Anyway, sorry. Torture doesn't work. That's all I'm trying to say. You you admit anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, desire to, the desire to confess becomes overwhelming. But there was a guy too that posted a fucking video on Twitter that I think it was like an MMA fighter Mm -hmm. and they in their backyard they had the they were waterboarding Mm -hmm. each other and we're like oh this isn't a big deal which kind of reminds me did i ever tell you the huge difference is if you clog your nose or not right anyway sorry that would be fucked because i think that's the in real torture they clog your nose because if you're not clogging your nose you can get it out that way yeah but that's it's like a huge deal if they clog the necessary holes i don't know enough about it anyway sorry continue I've actually there's the, I, there's an easy version of it and then the real way. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I unintentionally waterboarded myself as a kid. Mm-hmm. So what I did was unknowing. I was just a fucking kid. Mm-hmm. I, for, I don't know yeah. what I was even. I don't know. I was hot or something. So I had a towel over my head and I went and I in the shower and I turned on the shower and I got wet and that shit like sealed off my. Yeah. It like created an airtight seal on my fucking mouth so I couldn't breathe and I was like oh I had to rip it off it was. That shit was crazy. I did not expect that at all. So yeah. I, I can say that I have been waterboarded. There you go, man. No, I waterboarded s- myself. Ex, <laughs> ex-vets, so they go, they get tortured for training, some of them. If you're in like the high berets or like SEALs or like in some high position at least, the high training teams. And they, a lot of ex-vets are like, dude, no, I'm not for this. This is terrible. And my thing is, once you allow torture at that level, why, why can't cops torture? Like, yeah. it's just this never-ending trail where it's like, hey, if you're pulled over by a cop, can he have the, does he have the legality to torture you? We torture um, Pakistani national, whatever we whatever we have those laws for. Uh, why do we have Guantanamo? Because it's illegal under the Constitution to do so, so we do it out of state. 
out of country. Yeah, look at that. I mean, Obama couldn't even fucking close Guantanamo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to the... I like to talk a lot about the system. Like, I don't like to look a lot into, like, what is Obama thinking inside yeah, his mind? Right. Like, yeah. what is what is the chess Obama's playing? Now, do I think... I don't think anything's going on in Trump's mind. Like, I really think he's just that dumb, but he is charis- He is good with the media. He's very, very good with the media. The Twitter thing works. I hate the Twitter thing. Works really well. What is... Like, so Obama wanted to pass... I'll just pick something that I, I, I think, honestly, in his heart, I could say he was for. Passing gun legislation after Sandy Hook. He couldn't do it because the NRA owns our, go- our government. Boom. Now, in this case, Donald Trump doesn't even want to do it because I think the NRA gave him 20 mil during his campaign. Well, it doesn't matter, but um, you get what I mean. He's for the NRA, right? So it just shows you that if you're, if you're against the NRA, if you're for the NRA, they'll just go around you by buying Congress. So I agree with you on that, that it's a whole system problem. And it's like, let's say you have Jesus, forget Bernie, let's say you have Jesus Christ, like super <laughs> progressive, like you, we install Karl Marx as, pres, as president. He's not going to get anything done. You, you're going to get, mo- like I said, you're going to get money out of politics with money in politics? <laughs> good luck with, good, getting Citizens United versus alone would be the task of a lifetime. I mean, the task of a presidency. If he spent all four years and just did that one thing, it'd be a complete success. In my opinion. <laughs> well, I, I'm pretty much in agreement with you there. But uh, I think it's it's probably time to wrap up. We're at about two hours, pretty much. So any final thoughts or are you, you ready to sign off, my friend? No, Coop, I enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. And I hope you enjoyed talking about the intellectual talk with. Right. Well, thanks for joining and me. And I'll have you on. Yeah, podcast. we'll definitely do another one. Uh, thanks for joining me as part of the intellectual dank web. We're signing out. Podcast with Cooper Cherry. Look me up. Boom. Where where can I find you, Cherry? Tell him. Do you want to tell him? Okay. I don't want to tell him. I don't want to tell him right now.